Righto, you legends, before we rip into another episode of the Deadass Podcast, I'd firstly like to thank our major sponsor, Country Tracker Caps, for the continued support of the podcast. You will find their merchandise at thecountrycompanies.com or if you'd like to design your own cap, head to countrytruckercaps.com. Knuckles has fired up a discount code for the pallbearers. Type in Deadass at the checkout to receive your discount. That is D-E-A-D-A-S-S. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to the Dead Ass Podcast. Well, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Dead Ass Podcast. I am your host, Brizy, where we share stories, capture eulogies, and today I have a guest on with me, uh, Mr. Stephen Bell, or better known as Steve. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you, Brian. How are you? Very well, thank you. Now, I must say the way that we got introduced to each other was through, unfortunately, a passing of your family member Mm -hmm. and you were interested in the the old family hearse Mm -hmm. and had you heard about the old hearse prior or you'd heard about it or you'd seen it? Well, Brian, the quick answer to that is no. I hadn't seen it oh, and okay, I hadn't sure. heard it. But uh, simply, um, my father in the last probably eight months of his life just made a, uh, a statement to me. Oh, gee, it'd be nice if I could go for a ride as a last ride in an old hearse. Okay, cool. And, of course, Dad being uh, in a vintage car club for more than 50 years. Wow. Um, you know, he was very interested in... Old cars. So the old, for the listeners tuning in, um, the old hearse that we have here with us is a 1924 Hudson Super 6 hearse and it is nearly 100 years old, which is pretty crazy to think these days, isn't it? It sure is. (laughs) And the extension part on the back of it, the actual backing on that Hudson Super 6 
supposedly had come off um, of a horse-drawn carriage of around the 1890s, supposedly, from the, rep, from the history that we've got told. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at that time before Steve um, came to us, the condition of the car was uh, rough and it had <laughs> been in the family, to give people a bit of a background, it had been in the family for about, it's been in the family for about 30, 30 years. 30 plus. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, originally been down in Canberra. We did bring it up to Rockhampton a couple of years ago. It has been registered and it has been sitting in the shop uh, at the back of the mortuary there for quite some time. Obviously, there's quite a few problems with it. It was barely alive. Um, and then you heard about it. And to give your father that last ride in an old classic hearse, you came to us, didn't you? You came to my old man and said, "I did," I and did. said, "Hey, look, you've got an old hearse. Can I have a look at it?" Correct. And uh, talk us through it. What did you see? <laughs> well, well, initially, Brian, how how it occurred was, whenever I whenever I need to find out anything, yeah, or if I need anything, I ask my friends. Yes, and it works very well in this small town that we live in. That's true. And so when I I asked the, my friends and uh, colleagues at the car club, does anyone know of an old hearse? There was one guy, John Hur, in, yep. the, in the club had said, well, I do. And I said, okay, is it the one in Mount Morgan? Ah, uh, yes. And he said, well, yeah, but not that one. And I said, okay, I know of another one in Biloela. And he said, yeah, I'm not, not too sure about that one. No, no this one is in town. And I thought, no, no, okay. I said, I've I've lived here for all of these, you know, sixty odd years, and yeah. I've I've never seen it. And he said, no, it's been tucked away. But he said, I know the guy who owns it. And he said, uh, his name is Grant, Grant Perry. And uh, I said, well, what's it like? And he said, mate, I got no idea. All I know is it's got. Riding on the side of it, it's got Undertaker on the side of it, and it's black. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, well, that's a good start. And um, so, I first of all, because um, ta- uh, Finlayson and Mackenzie yes. were not doing Dad's funeral, yes, it was right, Tucker yes. and Ankerville. Yes, I've, of course, I had to establish whether or not those guys had a relationship with you guys. Yes, of course. In order to allow that to even get to first base. Yes. And um, Angela Tucker had said yes. And most certainly, Steve, they do have a great relationship with us because we are the two oldest firms in Rockhampton. That's correct. And that was very, very comforting, Brian. Yeah. To know, to know that there was not going to be any animosity. No, not at all. And um, so then I thought, okay – Next thing is is to ask Grant yep. whether or not he would be okay with using his hearse. And so he, um, when I called him, said, yeah, but I think you better come and have a look at it. <laughs> so, <laughs> are you laughing, bro? No, yeah, sorry. I know, I know what you're in for. <laughs> well, um, I arranged for the time, came down with Grant, and we walked around to the back of the mortuary and I'll tell you what, my first my first glimpse of it, I was, in, to say overawed, was an understatement. It was everything that I'd thought. It, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. And it was, Brian. I don't mind saying that, that yeah. 
it was every bit the hearse that yeah. I, I imagined it would be and more. And when I looked around it and my initial, you know, gauging up of it, I thought this is a lovely, and I mean lovely, old car that simply is in need of some help. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. And um, I was very heartened when Grant said, oh, look, I, I've still paid the registration. And I thought, <laughs> oh, okay, that is, a, that is gold. Yeah. Gold yeah. because you don't have to worry about any, yes. you know, um, traffic violations or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, of course. Yes, that's right. The next best thing was that he said, oh, I also joined the car club. Ah. So he paid the 15 bucks. Yes. And joined the car club. So that then just opened up. The whole, the whole Pandora's box of being able to do this because essentially he was using a registered club car on a, like a registered sort of club event, if you like. <laughs> yeah, you yeah well, it essentially would have been. So yes. that meant that all of that, all of those um, difficulties yeah. were, uh, had disappeared. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that simply left me with the condition of the car oh, and okay. what it needed in order for it to be mobile and reliable. Yes, okay. And when you – so once you got to that point, you had a, a look over the vehicle mm-hmm. and you go, okay, if I, um, <laughs> <laughs> what have I got myself into here? Or were you like, you know what, this, this is doable. I, I can do this. I'd like to hear your honesty on that. Okay. I, okay. To be honest, Brian, yeah. it was in far better condition than, oh, what, I, than okay. what I thought it would be in. Because yeah, I'll, sure. I'll tell you, Brian, honestly, being around vintage and veteran cars for yes. you know better than 35 years, I've seen a whole lot worse. Oh, okay. Sure. Okay. A whole oh, yeah, lot I guess worse. you would. Yes, oh, yeah. definitely. And, you know, I, well, for example, I pulled a 1928 Indian motorcycle out of a well wow. in struck oil out of a well it was in a well it wow it was it was a, a well that wasn't bricked in and the 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 walls had collapsed lantana and rubber vine yes had grown in the bottom of the well wrapped around the frame and lifted the motorcycle up out of the water you're kidding no, me i'm not kidding so wow. Brian, I, I started off with essentially a HQ ute load yes. full of extremely rusty bar work, which was the frame and tin metal, yeah. and the engine had been pulled apart on the uh, the veranda of an old miner's hut. Yeah. And a man can throw a cylinder for a motorcycle around about 40 metres. <laughs> so the engine I found in about a 40-metre radius. <laughs> Kidding me! <laughs> wow! A, no, I, I, I kid you not. Yeah. And the rear cylinder for that machine, I found in the fork of a tree, about oh, maybe no six meters up. No way! It the motorcycle was pulled apart in 1959. Really? A, a tree grew up around the cylinder head, and the cylinder head was up in the air. No. I cut the tree down. And got the head, and the head is on the rear cylinder of that bike. You're today. kidding I, me! I kid you not. I wow, do not, that I do is not kid so you. cool. So, Brian, when I had a look at, um, and excuse me if I if I take the liberty of calling it Huddy. Yeah, no, you're right. Is that the nickname? <laughs> well, yeah. that's, nickname. that's what I've nicknamed it. I've oh, nicknamed we'll, it Huddy. We'll definitely keep that nickname. And I like um, that. Huddy. So when I when I looked at Huddy, 
I thought, okay, here I'm looking at uh, something that the the fan has gone through the radiator. Yes, okay. Yeah, it had been repaired. Did you made a did sort you of. did you have an assumption why that how it did that? I knew exactly why what, it did it, Brian. Ah, what was it? It's because people uh, a lot of the times when you restore an old machine, you have to undo what people have done. Yes, you have to undo what time has done. Yes, and you have to undo what nature has done. Okay, yeah. And so somebody in their wisdom had decided that the because they had put a different fan on it, they'd put a Holden fan on it, the fan ah, blades. Okay. And so it didn't quite fit in the space ah, between the fan pivot and the radiator. Yes, okay. So they thought, okay, let's just take a hacksaw and <laughs> and take the side out of the hole of the shaft so yeah. that they can get the fan shaft in and out easily. Ah. But Brian, when you do that Yes. And it comes loose. Then the fan is spinning at, you know, a couple of, you know, thousand RPM. It decides to draw air forward and go straight, straight. into. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Oh, and Brian, steel doesn't lie. Yes, that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> and and it's, it's telling me somebody has mucked with me. Yes, and okay. they've modified me and now... Uh, that's what it is. And this is why I've done this. So yeah. first thing, Brian, I took the fan home Yep. and I made a bush and I re-welded the, the link wow. back to how it's supposed to have been. And I also uh, re-bushed the fan boss. Yeah. I put that fan hub in the lathe, trued it back up because somebody had hit it with a hammer many times really? and bent it, yes. Oh. Wow. Yes, and then uh, the fan blades had been uh, roughed to the point where when they spin, they would have vibrated very uh, badly. So yes. Brian put them back in the lathe, put them on a, on a, on the centre on a center lathe, on a spindle, yes. and spin the blades and true them yeah, so that they okay. are Wow. I, you don't really think about the extent of the stuff that you're doing just, oh, to, just yeah. for a set of – Fan blades. Well, it's got to work, Brian. Yeah, well, it makes perfect sense. It has to sense. work. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, that, that car relies on, on – it doesn't have a water pump. It relies on convection. Ah, uh, okay. Rightio. So hot air rises? Yes, yes. Yep. So that's, that's how that, that um, cooling system works in that 100-year-old uh, hundred, hundred Hudson. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, so that was one of the things. That what else? was one. What, what else did you see? The biggest one was it would not hold – 12 litres of water for 40 minutes. Jeez Louise. <laughs> it had... 12 litres. It had a nine and a half inch crack in the block, yeah. in the engine block, and a two and a half inch crack in the cylinder head. Wow. And also four leaking Welsh plugs. Okay, right. So, so Brian, she was it, leaking. It was never gonna... It was never going to work. And I would never, ever um, have that car run mm -hmm. on a job. Mm-hmm. Because Brian, if it if it does get hot after that, you will cook the engine You'll and cook. you will destroy sure. that hundred year old, you know, machine that simply is trying to do the job for you. So, yeah. so the 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 main well, that was well, the main act now was to try and get it to hold water before you could even start it. That was one thing I was probably most interested in to find out how you 
Ah. Did that because that that's tricky. Well, that's very tricky. And you know, when I was sitting there looking at it, and I'm sitting there going, "How do you do something like that?" That's that's I got no idea, no idea well, at all. Well, Brian, actually, actually, it wasn't all that difficult. Was it really? Okay. No. And you know what? It comes from me being an old railway fitter. Okay, old railway fitter. Yeah. I started in the railway as an apprentice in 1977. Really? Yes. And we were taught the old way of doing things. And it was don't buy new, fix up what you've already got. And that's the way those railway workshops worked. Yeah. You couldn't cut bolts out. You had to heat the nuts up and or take them off of the coal chisel put a, uh, a die back over the bolts and reuse the bolts. They, didn't, they just didn't throw things away. Those wow. guys didn't throw things away. Because a lot of them were uh, survivors of the Depression. Well, and, yeah, that's a good point. Yes, of and course. And World War II veterans. World War II, yeah. And so they, they had – so what they instilled in me was a, um, a skill of repairing. Yes, and of course. So – um, when I looked at that block, I thought, okay, I don't have the time. Yes. Nor the parts, nor even a gasket set. Yeah, well, I mean, what would be what would be the chances of finding something like that? I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure there's probably reproductions. Is there reproductions? Maybe there, there, there is. There is. Yeah, okay. there, anything is available in America. Yeah. But, okay, America. Yeah. But it's but it's time. Yes. And it's it's money, yes. and you know you've got to you've got to get in sync with a club or a yes. you know a, a and, group of and just for the listeners to know too, you know this is all in the space of the time that you're trying to get this hearse runnable, correct? For, so that you can take care of your father's funeral, correct? You know, so that, just so that people understand, this is correct. everything that you're doing, correct? This is this is this is why I just find this absolutely amazing. It's it's unbelievable. So please, sorry, keep going with so, the, with the with the with the with the leaks. <laughs> well, so Brian, you can imagine, I'm I am grieving for my father. Of course, definitely, hundred percent. Here's his words in the back of my yes, my, back of my mind. Steve, do you think you know I might go for a, a last ride in an old hearse? And yeah. I'm saying, Dad, yes, but where am I going to find one? So yeah, of course. Now I've got one. Um, now I've found one. Um, so the the breakdown yes. of um, of fixing the leak. Simply, um, I'd done it many many times before okay. in, in the tool room. Yeah, right. Where, uh, we had to fix uh, lathes, yep. um, cylindrical grinders, milling machines. And um, I remember on one, other ca- one occasion a guy had run a Churchill Miller into the end stops and smashed the gearbox. Oh, okay. Rio, wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> so a gearbox for that virtually, I'll, u- I'll use the word unobtainable. <laughs> yeah. Is that metal? What they call it? Unobtainium? Unobtainium. You <laughs> yeah. got it. You got it. So my, um, my boss in the tool room, Gus Cummings, yes. was an ex-Air Force Fitter, oh, okay, and, yeah. a, and a really good one. And uh, he had said, hmm, he said, um, well, how are you going to fix it? And I said, Gus, I don't know. But anyway, uh, a couple of days later, a Loctite representative had come on site. Yeah, right, okay. And he was he was selling Loctite yes. and letting us know of the qualities of Loctite. And, of course, we'd never seen any of that sort of stuff before. But when he demonstrated 
uh, Loctite 601, you know, high tensile bearing mount. He had he he then um, demonstrated Loctite 290, super wicking, and um, the properties of all of that um, Loctite really to this day uh, still amaze me of how good a quality stuff it is and how old it actually is. It's yeah, like sure. World War Two vintage. Is it really? They used it World War Two. True. Oh yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, and also another probably I don't know fact that might not be well known is that uh, super glue, yeah, Loctite four hundred one, it's the same thing. No, it's well, it's not, yeah. but it was as if like a founding member of it. <laughs> it was if if we if we go off on a little tangent. No, you go here, please go go for it. I, I love hearing it. I, love, I mean, um, enjoy hearing Loctite it. Loctite four hundred one was formed um, for when the U.S. Medical Division went to the Korean War. Because they didn't have enough surgeons to go ah, to the Korean War. Okay. And they thought, how are we going to close wounds gained in a battlefield? So they developed the glue instead ah, of stitching. So sure. that is why Loctite glues your skin together better than anything else. Is it really? Yes, I did not know that. That's what it's designed for. See, that's why I love hearing that stuff. <laughs> I, might have, I might have to implement that stuff in the mortuary too. Yeah. Actually, I'll write a bit down on that one. It, it does work. Well, I have. you do hear that old story about people, you know, if they cut themselves, they, they put super glue on. Correct. And that, and that is entirely what it's designed for. Wow, I did not know that. That's a great fact. Yeah. You learn something new every day. Well, That's awesome. Well, you live and learn, Brian. That's the good thing, you know. And yeah. So anyway, I'll um, – uh, Oh, yeah, so I thought, okay, I can't take the engine out of this Hudson. Yes. I can't weld it. Yes. I can't heat it. Yes. I can't um, do much with it. And, of course, the crack was upside down. Ah. It was like working underneath a table. Of course it would be, yeah. It was upside down. Yeah. So I'm thinking, okay, um, from working on my aircraft, yep, uh, I, I refabricated all the wings and I – I did a lot of stuff on that aircraft, and of course, I use inspection mirrors. Uh, so when you use an inspection mirror, you got to work the reverse. The reverse, yes. And so, so you would have built up a bit of a talent for that too. Well, Brian, thank you, but <laughs> but but the answer to that is, yeah, I, I, I had, had to, and, yeah. And so, I thought, okay, um, I need to clean this block, so mechanically clean it with a wire brush, uh, me- mechanized wire brush, and I'm buff. And yep. then um, clean it with CRC, Freon, make okay. sure there's no residue on it. Yes. Then um, I, I actually, I was searching for some white cotton rope. Okay. Why? White cotton rope. You know why? It's super absorbent. Okay. And it's white. Yes. And it's okay. soft. Yes. And uh, what I did with it was that I, if you can imagine, the crack being underneath and about yes. nine and a half inches long. I got a piece about 13 inches Is that how long, long it was? Nine and a half inches long wow. it was. Holy it smoke. It went across three cylinders in the water jacket. S- Holy smoke. It was big, Brian. <laughs> I'd, I'd <laughs> never seen anything really, like it. Really? I don't, you got a suspicion why that might have happened? I know exactly why it happened. Oh, you know? I know exactly. Oh. You know what it was, Brian? Why? It was a frozen water crack. Really? Sometime in Canberra, it had been exposed to sub-zero temperatures and the water had frozen in the block. Oh, well, of course it would have been. And it split the block. It split the block. Split the block. Holy smokes. Wow, That's, I didn't even think of that. Well, of course it would have been. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't from heat. 
Yes. It wasn't from misuse or anything like yeah. that. It was simply from lack of use. Yeah, okay. And sure. probably they should have put an antifreeze in uh, it. Ah, uh, of course. Yeah, or let the sense. water go. It was just running water. That's all it was. Wow. And then it was. hence why you run antifreeze in Correct. <laughs> when you're, when you're, that's the perfect example of it. That's why you do it. There we go. That is you why ne- you do I've it. I've never heard of that. Like, I mean, like, I've never... Never known someone to actually experience a problem with it like that from not mm. running antifreeze. Running antifreeze. That's crazy. It happens all the time in the United States. I suppose it would, wouldn't it? All yeah. the time. Yeah. All the time wow. in those in those northern states. So you said it was a nine and a half inch crack. Nine and a half inch crack. So so what I did was simply got a piece of cotton rope, followed the crack. Yes. And and taped it up with hundred mile an hour tape so yep. that the rope was in contact with the crack. Okay. Yes. Then um, take a bottle uh, and then I uh, returned the ends, each end left and right, up at uh, 90 degrees. Yes. And then if you can imagine along that nine and a half inch uh, line, I, I cut possibly, I think it was four, about two and a half inch wicks of rope, pieces yes. of rope, and attached them at 90 degrees, having the end in contact with the the rope that's running the length of the crack. Yes. And and then sat there on the running board for nearly five and a half hours. Wow. Take a bottle of Loctite 290 and simply drip, drip, drip into the end of the rope on the right-hand side. Yes. Then when it starts to get reach saturation point, uh, and I can watch it turn green because the Loctite is green, Loctite yeah. 290 is green. So... Let it watch it wick down. When it gets saturated, then move to the next one. Wow! Fill it up. Drip, 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 wow. drip. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like Brian. It it was um uh, a tedious task. Wow. But go work along all of those wicks. Yes, and then start back on the right and drip. When it reaches saturation point, go and do something else. Yes. And then come back, have another go at it until all the rope that was following the crack and it is in contact with the crack is green. Okay. Yeah, that, sure. And then the Loctite being an anaerobic and highly um, – uh, what's the word they use? Um, capillarized mm-hmm. um, fluid. Yes. Will run upwards into uh. the crack. Okay, is that so? That's, that's what it did. That's what it. That's that's how that's it works, does. bro. Ah, that's wow. is precisely how it works. So then, do that. Then um, leave it for two days. Then come back, clean it off, buff it, then spray it again with Freon. Then take a uh, a rather miraculous, <laughs> for want of a better word. Uh, substance called Loctite Activator 740. Yeah. Okay. And what it does is it because the Loctite is anaerobic, it yeah. goes off in the in the presence of no oxygen. Ah, okay. So no oxygen. Yep. So in, inside the grain of an engine block where it's got a fracture. Yes. That Loctite is wicked in. Then the activator wicks up where the Loctite has gone mm-hmm. and sets it off. Really? Like steel. Wow. Yep. 
That's crazy. I would. You, that's that's phenomenal. Like it's amazing to hear how that worked and how you did that. That's crazy. Well, all it stems from is taking notice of yeah, that sure. guy who was down in the railway workshops. And now, actually, Brian, nearly 30 years ago, that was. Was that 30 years that ago? That was 30 years ago. And it's still – and you now use yep. exactly that method. That's the same method. Wow. So amazing to think. If that guy – would you have known that ever to happen if old mate didn't stuff no, it no, <laughs> in the first no, place? True, true. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? But, it, it, but in Brian, you know, the things that I've um, come to know all of my life is things – happen yeah things sure. you know things fall into place yeah and uh and that was one of them for me and i've used that many 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 times actually loctite 290 holds the fuel tank of my indian together that's really and has has done for nearly 30 <laughs> this, years is this the one that you pulled out of the well is this that's the one lot? that pulls out of the well <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> that's such a cool story that one too hey eh? holy <laughs> smokes that's Nineteen. What year was that uh, Indian? 19. The, the Indian is a nineteen twenty eight. Nineteen twenty eight Indian. Yeah. Wow. Now the so you fixed that part there. What was next? Fix that part. Well, well, part. Well, there's two more parts to it. I then put some JB Weld yep. Marine Grade Epoxy, covered the um, the area where the Loctite was. Oh, okay, sure. Then painted it. Yes. Wow. With, with matching paint. Yes. And then um, filled that um, the cooling system with Chemi Weld just to be insured. Oh, just to make it just one hundred percent, one hundred percent sure. Yeah. Then um, that Chemi Weld's amazing stuff too. Chemi Weld is really good, but you use it carefully and yeah. use it exactly as it says because it can it can um, well seriously degrade your radiator if you yeah. don't get it out. Ah, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. Um, what else with Huddy? Oh, yeah, the. Um, the, the gearbox had no oil in it at all. I didn't it no, really. Zero. Holy smokes. <laughs> Not a bit. <laughs> um, the engine, um, the carburetor, yeah. uh, was not serviceable at all. Really? Nope. Wow. Simply because uh, a simple device, it was. it's called a Detroit lubricator. Okay. And actually, Dad had a Detroit lubricator on his 1928. You're Essex. kidding. No. You're kidding. I actually, Brian, I, I found a manual in Dad's in Dad's collection of literature on yeah. a 1926 Hudson. You're kidding. So I brought it here. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Isn't that crazy? Well, it's it it was a hun- it's a hundred year old manual. And you know what? That's where I got all my technical information from. The thing is, is that you know too, like that, you know, you can't What's the best way to put it? You cannot, you can't go with modern technology trying to incorporate that into old technology. It doesn't work like that. You need to stick to the old technology to make the old technology work. So if you don't have that guidance with the old technology, it's not going to work properly. And I guess that's that was one of the biggest things that I took out of what you were explaining to me because – you have spent days and hours sorting out that car. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember there was a couple of days there where we sat there and we talked for a little while about <clears throat> about some of the things that you'd done at that time. And the, one of the biggest things that I took from it was the fact that you were 
constantly saying that there were modern things that had been done to the car to mm, try and mm. fix it, but it was actually hindering it. Yes. It wasn't actually wasn't helping the car at all. Is you there were some things that had been bypassed and whatnot that made it not right, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> and, that, and that's true, Brian. And and never a truer word have you spoken, but you cannot and simply cannot use modern thought patterns yes. when you're working with old vehicles because yes. they they really do surprise you in how simple they actually are. And that t- yes. sometimes it takes you by surprise. Yes, okay, yeah, sure. It, yeah. You've got you've to stop stop your, your your method of thinking and go back to you know to a time when you know they were still developing these things yes of course yeah that's they were, right they they you know the although the you know the probably the 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 set out of vehicles was probably you know pretty well much sorted out and then they had four wheels and engine and a gearbox and a differential but the layout of them and how they got that engine to work and how they got it to be more efficient was still yet to be developed. Yes. And one of the amazing things is that the carburetor does not have a main jet. Right. Nope. It does not have a main jet. So, <laughs> and you got to, again, when you, when you look at a Detroit lubricator of 100 years ago, you, it's essentially a large plunger sucked up by the vacuum created by the pistons. Oh, okay, so it's drawing. It's drawing. Okay. Whereas, you know, and, and of course, it's an updraft, not yeah. a downdraft. Yes, yes. So, so you've, got to, you've got to think opposite again. Yes. I mean, you'd think to yourself, why didn't they just put the carburetor on the top of the manifold and let the fuel run down into the cylinders? Yes, of course. Why yeah. wouldn't you do that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, that's, what, and said it's gone, no. That was not the technology of the time. Every yes. American car up to those years had a updraft carburetor. Okay. That was the technology yeah. of the time. So you have you seen over your years of experience, have you seen how people stuff that up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they Well, in poor old Huddy's case, yes. if we're sticking with the fuel system, yes. that was the next thing that – Alarm bells came on. Yeah, with me was somebody had put an electric fuel pump. That was the part that you were talking to me about. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, um, the fuel system on that Hudson, over so simple as as it was with every other vintage car or every other car of that era, was that they didn't have a fuel pump. Yes, because it could fail. Yes. And if you were out on a track in Midwest America somewhere and you had a failed fuel pump, how are you going to get it fixed? So the less parts, the better. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? it? And it does, yeah. Brian. That's, that's, that was the thought pattern. It had to be reliable and it had to be able to be, be, able to be fixed by the local guy at the, at the local garage. Yeah. So how the fuel system works is that there is a tank called a vacuum tank and it it's essentially like a, a vacuum flask like a thermos flask okay yeah sure. bolted to the firewall yes and it's got a float in it okay yeah if you can imagine when you when the pistons are going up and down in the engine it creates vacuum yes so if you pipe that vacuum to the top of the fuel tank 
and you put a little valve in there and then there's an arrangement. There's another little valve, there's an air valve and there's a vacuum valve and then there is an over-centre arrangement with a float. Yeah. So essentially how it works is that engine creates vacuum, vacuum goes into top of tank, float level is down. Yes. So what it does is it connects the engine vacuum to the the suction pipe from the fuel tank and it sucks fuel from the uh, tank and yeah. fills fill, from the main tank at the back of the car and it fills up the vacuum tank. Makes sense. When the vacuum tank gets full, it doesn't want any more fuel. So the float comes up, yeah. shuts off the vacuum, says, I don't want any more vacuum. Like a toilet. It, it's exactly <laughs> like a it's toilet. exactly the same as a toilet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want any more water. I've, yeah, I've flushed. shut it up. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah, done. Yeah. I'm flushed. Yeah. And so all it does is is shut off the vacuum and open up the tank to atmosphere. Okay. Right and then yeah. the bottom of the tank is simply plumb to the carburetor. Ah, okay. And right the yeah. fuel runs downhill because yes. the vacuum tank is mounted up on the cowl. That's right. And and the 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 carburetor is mounted low on the bottom yes. of the intake manifold down by the starter motor. Yes, that's right. So yeah. It's yeah. got a lovely eighteen inches or so of head. Yes. So the um, the fuel simply fills up the bowl in the carburetor, um, and and then is present for the vacuum when it lifts up the the plunger that I mentioned earlier. Yes. It says, "Okay, I've got air. Now I've got fuel, and if it's got spark, it runs." Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. And so when you put a fuel pump. And you bypass the vacuum tank, you're actually putting pressure on that little needle and seat in the uh, carburetor. It's, it's, it's going, we don't want this. And it says, uh uh-uh, uh, yeah. I can't do this. Yeah. And it sprays fuel everywhere. Yes. And then, of course, without the fuel pump running, you can't supply the carburetor. That engine will use that, it'll use that bowl full in probably two minutes mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. well without a resupply from the vacuum tank you know it's it's, it's a hell in the hand bus it'll stop on you so simply um i had to reinstate the carburetor fix up the needle and seat in the carburetor yes pull it all apart clean it all up it was very sooty and then um refurbish the vacuum tank in its entirety but wow. you know you know what that vacuum tank was like looking inside a time capsule. Was it really? It was like brand new. You're it's kidding a, me. It's like brand new inside that thing, back, uh, um, Brian. Wow. It That's is, crazy. Oh, well, it's seen little use. That, yeah. you know, when you think about it, a hearse yes. has got a pretty good life. It's like an aeroplane. <laughs> That's know, true. It's, it's always clear, gar- <laughs> usually garage or yeah. put away. Right. And then the only time it gets used is for... You know, Bitumen Road. That's right. Yes, that's true. Yeah. To the hospital or to the morgue. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, when I was lying underneath that hearse, it um, it dawned on me that, you know, there is there is no rust. Yes. There is no dints. Yes. There is no rot. Yeah. It it is it is like a little time capsule in itself. That's a great way to look at it. Mm. You don't you don't really think about that sort right. of stuff, do you? It's a timepiece. It is. And, um, you know, like essentially the 30-plus years that we've mm-hmm. had it in the family here, the old man that's had it, 
it's would have done exactly the same thing like the previous owners of it would have done. It would have sat there, you'd sat there, and done the same thing. Because I, I, I had a bit of a chance to think with Huddy. Yeah. Because uh, some of the things Brian uh, were a bit. Oh, not. I'm not going to say the word confronting, but it needed. I needed to think about it. Yeah, sure. And you need to think before you act because a I've got a I've got a short space of time. Yes, definitely. And I've got a lot to do. Yes. So now you. So just for the listeners to understand, you'd already set a date with with the funeral home. Correct. So you knew you had a deadline. Uh, that was a deadline. You had a deadline. You knew that your father's funeral was coming up. Mm-hmm. So you had to – so you, time was of the essence, obviously. Time was <laughs> – And there was a fair bit of work. So I just want to keep reminding the, the, the listeners that all this work that you're doing to this vehicle is in within a confined space time uh-huh. too, you know, so. Okay. Yeah, so that gets <laughs> a little bit, little bit yeah. crazy, you know. That's, well, then, you know, if we're talking about mechanical problems, mm. it's got no compression in number three. Yeah, sure. So there's, so so there's it's another a five issue. cylinder, <laughs> not a six. So she's converted to a five. But 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 again, somebody yes. When you when you turn that engine over yes, and when you go and check the tappets, yep. Number three intake valve was tight. Okay, right. So somebody had not set the tappets correctly, and okay. I believe that the intake valve was riding up on the seat. Yes, losing its compression. Okay. So I, again, can't pull it apart, can't take the head off, don't yeah, have enough this, time. This is time. We're, we're, we're time consuming. We, we want it running. That's we right. want it running and we want to be able to take your father on his last journey. That's right. And so let's let's work with what we've got. So, so then uh, one has to then deal with um, the oh, – what was it next? Uh, oh, yeah, uh, oil. Yes, there was about a liter and a half of water. Oh, sitting, really? Sitting, <laughs> sitting on the engine oil. <laughs> Holy smokes! Uh, but the good thing is, the good thing is, there is no oil pump. Okay, Ronnie O. Did so, not know that. And and people, you you've got to sit back and think, and um, and you think every every car, every engine's got an oil pump, but no, this one does have an oil pump. But it's only a very small device that sucks a little bit of oil out of the sump and puts it up on the camshaft. Ah, so it can trickle. And and that's all it does, Brian. Yeah, right. Otherwise, the conrods, I don't know whether listeners can imagine this, but on the bottom of a conrod is actually a device shaped like a teaspoon. (laughs) Is it really? (laughs) It is. (laughs) Is it really? Wow. So in the direction of rotation. (laughs) Yeah, it's scooping up It scoops oil up. And throws it up and lubricates the crankshaft. You're by th- no, I kid you not. The technology back then is amazing. <laughs> it's that's technology. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That's technology. Oh, so, mate. so you learn a little again. Of you course, know? yeah. And definitely. of course, when you think these engines are doing, you know, maybe two thousand RPM max. Yes. Yeah. Like an aeroplane engine. They're, yeah. They're very low revving, but very high torque. Yes. So then after that, um, I actually replumbed the fuel system. And, okay, wow. And I, and I put a hand pump in oh. underneath the dashboard yes, just in case that yeah. the vacuum tank does not work and does not suck fuel. You could still you can, hand you can prime, suck it up. You can hand up. suck it up so yeah. you're not caught 
You That's know, smart. It's from me in yeah. the back. But it's a good little fail-safe, isn't it? It's a good fail-safe, Brian, because you know when you drive a car like that? Yes. With somebody in the back? Yes. You know what? You're under a lot of tension. You're in the spotlight. <laughs> yeah. You're, You're in, in the spotlight. That's a You're good point. You're in the point. spotlight. That's a very good point. Yeah. yeah. And, and you, you fail, it's you want, you, you want to minimise the risk as much as possible. Correct. Of a potential failure. Correct. So that's a very good point. <laughs> now, did you? were you surprised – now, this is a little bit off topic here, but were you surprised about the size of the actual backing? So where the part where the coffin sits uh, in the hearse, were you surprised with the length of that? I, I was. Yes. And, and then um, it was brought to my attention by Colin who'd said to me, um, Steve, what – size coffin is your dad in and i went oh, i've got no idea yeah and uh i said I'll, I'll have to ring up angela and so he said no 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 I'll, I'll do that i'll do that yeah sure so he's called and to be told that dad is in a six foot standard yeah. coffin yes so which of these days for the listeners that's a a fairly standard size coffin. Yeah. For this, for this, for these days. Mm-hmm. But in the twenties, yes. <laughs> or, the 20s. or technically, actually, in the nine, in the eighteen nineties, mm-hmm. the average height of a person was quite significantly mm-hmm. shorter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so the average height of they would say of someone would be around about five eight. Yeah. So the, you could imagine an 1890 yep. backing for yep. a coffin would be the average size would be five foot eight. Correct. So we're a little bit short. We're too short. <laughs> so Cole, Cole and I uh, went and selected yes. a six foot coffin yes. from, the, from the stock. From the stock, yes. And, Did a test fit. Yeah, test fit <laughs> and found that uh, it, it couldn't be secured. Yes. So... so so there was some more improvising. Yes. So back home on the yep. lathe, make a plate, <laughs> make a bush, get a pin yes. and some screws. Yeah. And and attest that, fix that. So that was another little issue. And how'd you go with it? It was all right, Brian. You know what? Yeah. It worked. Beautiful. It, <laughs> I got I got Dad settled <coughs> in the back. Beautiful. With a uh, an adjustable headrest. Yes. I no, the so. adjustable headrest. <laughs> I like that one. That's adjustable. a good one. Yes. <laughs> um, so, ah, oh, with Huddy, you had it go then. It, um, so you've done the you've done the fuel. You did the hand pump. Yep. What, there was an ignition. There was an electrical issue too, wasn't uh, there? Yes. Wasn't yes. there? Yeah. Yep. Um, so back, more, it was a six volt system. It's so, a six volt system, yep. and of course, I went and bought a um, an Optima. Battery, okay. a six volt Optima battery, they are the best battery yeah. for for an older car, and Brian simply because they have a lot of cranking amps, yeah, sure, a thousand cranking amps. Oh wow, for six volt, and and they don't mind sitting around because okay. old cars do do a lot of that. They do, yeah. They sit around rather than you know get used as an everyday um, vehicle as a work hack. So, so it was um, get that. Um, battery, and then um, I, I kind of continued along a little bit on the fuel pump Did uh, vein, simply because. Um, well, it's the main line, isn't it? The lifeline, <laughs> isn't well, it? What you call it? Well, it's simply because Grant, 
said, oh, you know, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be easier if it had a fuel pump. But in, Boron, what I did was I went down the path for probably a week. Sure. Trying to get the fuel system to work with a fuel pump. Yeah. A hand pump and a vacuum tank. Jeez Louise. And I found, Brian, I could have two but not three. Three, yeah. So I simply forego the six-volt pump. It's it's still there. It's 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 all connected up. But it, in actual fact, it's just simply easier and more reliable, I believe, to simply have the vacuum tank and the, the hand pump. Well, I totally agree with you 100% because literally we've been sitting here saying that the idea is to not combine modern technology with old technology <laughs> in certain points. And I think that is a very important one, mm. especially when, you know, would a six-volt six pump still pressurise that too and, much? Well, and it, Brian, it does because I couldn't get mm. a six-volt pump because mm-hmm. I just had to go down the road to Burson's. Yeah. Ah. Uh, okay. And so it's actually a twelve volt pump. Of course it would be. Yeah. Of course. But uh, but it works, and because the the six volt the the twelve volt pump is a little inhibited. Yes. Because it's only being powered by six volt. Yes. It actually works less, and that's a good uh, thing. Okay. Because you want less pressure. You want less pressure, so it's yes. only two psi. Okay. Radio. There you go. Doesn't need much. You can blow harder than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And um, and so, but still, again, Brian, we're trying to work that system, that fuel system, with with the pump and the and the bulb, and the uh, the vacuum tank. It just but also wasn't too, you, yeah. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, too, you wanted just you wanted the system to be as reliable as possible, and knowing that you've got this deadline, you just wanted to at least get this part. <laughs> <laughs> because we haven't even gone down the fact of the electrical and then there was also yep. the cosmetic side of it too because, you know, like like anything that sits around for too long, you're going to yep. have yep. You know, some cosmetic issues. So, and you're right, um, the electrical side of it actually was not bad. Okay, that's good. Uh, check headlights and, you know, it, it suffers the same as all those old cars do with bad earth. Yes, okay, bad earth. Headlights yeah. were very yellow. Yes. But so by cleaning up the earths and by making sure that it had a, a, a feed wire back, yes, they came good. Oh, cool. The um, the indicators worked. One yep. of the, 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 drive, the driver's side rear. Yeah, driver's yeah, side. Yeah, it's drive, a hand, is it? Driver's <laughs> side. Oh, yeah. Cole's acting up here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the driver's side rear had actually been filled with water and the bulb and the contacts had rusted to a point where they were um, powder. Oh, in the really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. So we I, we just cut all that, took all that out, yeah. fixed it all up. And you know what the nice thing was? What's that? And I know it's a, it, it, you know, it's only a little um, indicator bulb, but I went up to a, my friend up here, Patrick, up at Rocky Auto's Bears. Shout out to Pat. And he is a good guy and he he chases things that are difficult to get. Yes. And I'm always going in there with <laughs> things for the Buick or the dad's Essex and and he says, Oh Bally, what what are you what are you doing now? And when I tell him he he grasps hold of it 
and he strives to help me. And I, that's the thing that I most appreciate. And I take my hat off to him. He's a, he's a he's a great bloke. He's helped us out on several occasions with yep. with all our vehicles and bits and pieces. And they're uh, it's Rocky Auto Spares, isn't Rocky it? So Auto shout Spares. out to them, the, yeah. the the legends at Rocky Auto Spares. Yep. Um, yeah, and great the, bunch of blokes. And the 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 really nice thing that actually, um, well, it touched me a little bit was, he said, Bally, these things are unobtainium. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, right. And of course, I said, Patrick, I've, uh, the contacts and the, the the bulb housing and the the reflector. He said, "Yeah, Bali." He said, "Made by Heller." He said, "They haven't been made for years." Really? No years. Wow. So he said, "Just just give me a little minute." So I was working at home actually on the. I think I was working on the vacuum tank. Anyway. He rings me up and he said, I found one. You're kidding me. He said, well, there's two on the internet. I said, yeah. How long will they? He said, they'd be about a week. I said, Patrick, can't do it. Can't do it. And he said, and I found another one in town. (laughs) I said, you're joking. No. He said, no. I said, I'm coming in tomorrow. Bring the vacuum tank in to to, uh, reassemble it back. I'm in a hurry. I'll come in and see you. And uh, so I did. And um, I think I, I bought the uh, the temperature gauge off him too. I, did we, you really? Yeah, well, Grant wanted a two-inch uh, temperature okay. gauge. Okay, radio. Because yep. he, he didn't believe the motor meter out on the, on the radio. <laughs> did you believe the, it? Yeah, they, yeah, work, they work a treat. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah they're, they're true. Yeah. yeah. They do. They work a treat. <laughs> Here's Cole shaking, Cole shaking his head. head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but they do. That. They do. You've just yeah. got to have eyes good enough to see, that, to <laughs> see not, the mercury. You've got to know what you're yeah. looking at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And anyway, I said to Patrick, oh, gee whiz, how much? Yeah. And he said, Bally. He said, I'm not going to tell you who the guy was that um, I found found it with. But he said, he said, he knew your father. Really? Yep. And he said, he knows you. And he said, you got a pretty good name around town. And I said, really? And he said, yeah. He said, there's no charge. You're kidding me. It's for your dad. Wow, isn't that beautiful? And I thought, you know, that there is one of the good things about living in, in a, a small town. Yeah, 100%. And it is that, you know, you think you go unnoticed, but yes. you don't. Yeah. And here is dad... You know, at ninety years old, most of his Lit. friends are are dead. You yeah, know. that's right. He's lived past a lot of his friends. Yeah. yeah, but just you know, the the rapport that he had in this small town that he lived in yeah. and worked in, yeah, raised a family and died in less than yes. a two kilometer radius. You know that? Is it really <laughs> two kilometer radius? Wow. Dad lived and worked in. Isn't that um? Isn't that amazing to hear that sort of stuff? Mm. I find that really intriguing Mm. you know and that your dad lived a full life you know 90 years and he did yeah and and but to leave an impression you know at the end of the day he's left an impression on people like that like that's isn't that a beautiful thing to think that someone has sit there and gone you know what Mm -hmm. so for him it's for him it's for alan bell yeah and bally you just take it well we we hope that it fixes I it. I love hearing that stuff. You know, you mm. don't. You know, the thing is, these days, um, 
I'm going on a little bit of a tangent here, but mm. you know, like you hear you hear the negative side of things with these towns Indeed. and stuff like that. You never really hear those heartfelt good stories. You know, mm-hmm. they go they're the ones that go unheard of. And right. it's just beautiful hearing that sort of stuff because it reassures it because, you know, like I sit there and talk to people and I say, I love Rocky. I love mm. living here. This is a great place to live. Mm. Like, you know, it's easy living. It's a you know everyone. Everyone knows everyone and it has its positives. But you all you hear is the negatives. And I think it's just the people's perceptions of it and stuff and the way that people do these things these days. But um, it's just it's more rarer these days you hear the positives. So it's just yeah. lovely to oh. you hear those good heartfelt stories to to, to get them out there mm. and let people know mm. that hey that there is still there is still beautiful things happening in this mm. world. You know, and I you know I'm a firm believer, uh, Brian, and you know the job that I had in the railway was the fitter and turner, and then yeah. I went as a technical project officer and a um, a project officer and and um, but my firm belief was, and I and I do it to this day. There are a lot of people that tell you when you are doing wrong. Yes, but not many people tell you when you're doing right. That is so true. And I I do that. I take the time to say thank you to people and to tell yes. them that the job that they did was good. Yes, definitely and I'm happy with it. And. That's no. and it's fantastic to hear that because it is rare that people do that sort of stuff. Hmm. Look, I don't want to toot my own horn, but no. <laughs> but I that's one thing that I have gathered from this stuff is that I try to promote positivity as much as possible. When when I hear something, when I hear something that's great or positive or something that's been done that's beautiful, I'd love to push that out and let people mm. know that hey this person's done this or this but you know like just just to say positive things because these days it's quite easy for people to get aggravated and annoyed by something and jump on the internet and leave a mm-hmm. terrible review oh mm-hmm. this you know blah 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 they didn't they didn't do this right and but you don't hear about the hundred other things that they've done that was very positive and uplifting for people and helping people out all you hear is this bunch of negative stuff so correct you know it's it's great that that people I, that do that sort of stuff. I probably, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm not a great lover of Facebook. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. <laughs> I don't blame and, you. And I, and I, you know, having done my time down in the railway workshops, mm-hmm. you got a pretty good um, life education down there. Yes. And um, I liken Facebook to sitting in a toilet down at the railway <laughs> workshops and reading what people have written on the walls. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Because yeah. it's faceless. Yes. And it's yeah. nameless. Yes. And, you know, it hasn't got the ability to hurt you now. That's that, right. You, know, I often, you often hear of young people, you know, who, you know, take great offence or take great, um, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Take great fear in mm. having their name or their friends, you know, go on Facebook and I'm, ooh, I, I think, you know, I much rather see my friends. Of course, definitely. Visit my friends rather than, you know, talk even, to them on Facebook. Even um, even down to the point where um, I'm a little bit old school in the sense of, and my friends know this well, that if I want to know something, I'll ring them and ask them. Correct. Like I won't send them a message. I won't, 
I won't send them something through social media. If it's really important or if they um, they've got a genuine question or I want to speak to them, I will call them. Because yeah, I'm a little bit, and people under, people know that <laughs> like they'll send me they'll send me a text message Correct. and they'll say, oh hey, look, I'm just letting you know this this this. You don't need to call me because they know I'm not going to reply to it. They, they know I'm going to ring them. Correct. <laughs> so Correct. yeah, and and Brian, me too. I I would much rather go and see my friends, even yes. if I've got to get yes. on a plane and go overseas. That's and a very see. good point. Also, too, like you can't get a grasp of someone's. Um, like their their tone in the text messages Correct. or what they're actually feeling and stuff. Like you could misinterpret someone's text message the way that you receive it as opposed to the way that they're sending it to Correct. you. So I like to get a feel for the person yeah. as well. That's just one of my little old school traits. <laughs> no, I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you because some, you know, we're, like we we're talking before, I think there's some things that need to be kept traditionally mm. in certain things and one mm. of them i think is at least verbal contact with people mm. i mm. think i think it does it's emotionless sending a message so maybe just a bit of at least verbal face-to-face <laughs> ideal <laughs> but at least verbal you know I'll, I'll i'll tell you just a little funny side yeah story. sure please i have a great friend who runs a restaurant in baltimore really in, in the united states oh yeah. wow i've known bobby for years and years and and just just at the beginning of this year, he lost his wife. And um, anyway, I when when I rode, I, I rode a motorcycle around the world. Did you really? Yep, that's cool. Nineteen ninety took me two years. What type of motorcycle? BMW. True. R eighty GS Paris Dakar. Yeah, was it reliable enough? Absolutely. True. The, the only time, the only time <laughs> it missed was when was was. The only time it missed, and it was etched indelibly on my mind, was yeah. 96 kilometres north of Ambala in India on the Grand <laughs> Whoa, Trunk Road. Wow. Because yep. it had fuel, it had water in the fuel. Did it really? Is that yeah. the only re- and that was the only reason the only why? The only reason it coughed. It really? coughed once on that entire <laughs> trip around the earth. What? That's a oh, – wow. I didn't even know you'd done that. That's yeah. amazing. Well – <laughs> yeah. well, Isn't it Japan now? Anyway, I think it is. Yeah, I was I was telling you about Bobby. Yes, yes. And I of went course. I went over, and uh, Bobby's got three great kids and lovely, and uh, but the youngest one, yeah, sure, has uh, invites uh, some people over for a sleepover. Okay, yep. So anyway, Bobby and I are sitting in the kitchen. Anyway, Roberta runs down the stairs, and. Uh, looks at her phone and goes out and opens the front door. Okay. And I said to Bobby, um, did you hear the doorbell ring? And he said, ah, Steve, no, they don't, they don't do that anymore. I said, what? He said, Roberta's friends will stand there, and this is how social media, I think, it gets people. Yeah. They'll stand there on the front door they don't want to be confront, uh, confronting enough to ring the doorbell. They'll send a text. To say that they're there. To say that they're at the door rather than press the button and ring the doorbell. It's, isn't that crazy? Well, you know, and it's all about, you know. And then the other thing was um, they simply went up from the front door into their room. Yeah. Didn't see him for two days. Really? They did not come down, not for meals. 
not for bath. I didn't see them at all. They went up in wow. that room, and I, I don't know. I, 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 I have a problem with that. Yeah, yeah. No, that's I completely understand. It's not I interacting, agree. you know. Yeah, I agree. I totally mm. agree with you. Mm. There's one thing I've learned in the industry that I'm in is that you have to be sociable. You <laughs> have to be sociable. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but also too, it's not a bad. It's not a bad thing though. It's a good thing. It's a good thing, and you know what? You're only on this earth. Yep, this is after for a short time. And the people that you meet, yes, and the things that you do, you know, yes. are there. You know, what? I just, I think that the world, nah, not the world. I think society in general would be better off if people socialise face to face more. Absolutely. You know, they they sit there and they they complain about that there's these rising mental health issues and all this sort of stuff. There's nothing more mental health of a strain than anti-socialising with people. Because you've you got no idea how these people are interacting with each other. Mm. They go and isolate themselves for days on end. Mm. And you wonder why there's these mental health issues. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, you, I uh, yeah. Anyway, that's another, that's so, another day and another dollar, that yeah. one. But, but, but that, um, you, you know what? That, that gets to my point about mm. why I like to keep things a little bit traditional and, and, and I yep. like to get a feel for people. I like to contact them, talk to them over the phone, face-to-face ideally if possible. That's right. But um, you know, so I, I'll I'll say one thing also, Brian, is that I actually I think I broke a rib working on the <laughs> Hudson. Did you really? I, I did. Holy shit! I did. <laughs> what happened? You fell asleep. I did. <laughs> did you fall asleep? I did not fall asleep. <laughs> I was on the job. <laughs> you were on the job. Did, yeah, you didn't say. Yeah, to, but, did yeah. You, were you on the clock? <laughs> <laughs> You no, might have been on the job. No. Well, I, I did it by um, – I was working underneath the dashboard. Okay. Tidying up the wiring, putting another wire in and replumbing the fuel system. Yes. And I don't know whether you, if you go if you go to Huddy, you'll find that his front seat is mounted on a piece of inch and a half pine at a right angle at a sharp corner. And so <laughs> yes. I've, I've got – if you can imagine, I've got my butt – on the running board, yes, and then my my kidney area is over oh, the leaning, balance panel, leaning on it, and then I've got my ribs firmly, firmly in this point where the the seat frame and the doors only, you know, the doors only about what eighteen inches long. Yes, <laughs> and of course I'm working at my fingertips yeah. up underneath the dashboard, and then I'm squirming around trying to get this and that, and next thing you think, oh, oh God, oh something's happened, oh, oh God. And so I sort of get my arms down, and I'm thinking, "Oh God, oh, I think I think I've done something." So oh I, no! I, oh yes! So I, I extricate myself out from underneath the dashboard of Huddy, <laughs> and I'm thinking, "Oh, oh, that hurt!" And then I'm thinking, "Oh, that was just like when the cow kicked me in 2009." <laughs> so you're <laughs> like relating to yes. the in- previous I injuries. Think, I think I might have opened up another oh, war wound. No. <laughs> So, so, so you, now you even now you now you now you're injuring yourself. <laughs> so, so Brian, I'm thinking. Well, I better not. I better not do underneath the dash anymore. I better go and get the un, get a, get a spanner and go and undo the, the the gearbox drain plug and see if I can change the oil in the gearbox. So anyway, that's when I find myself lying underneath the hearse on a body mat. Is that right? Was Paul? it a, was oh, it a body mat? 
Uh, oh, the old stretcher cover. The old for stretcher a, cover, yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had to find something. Yeah, the fair con- enough. The concrete was cold. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> and so, so the old, the old transfer here the stretcher cover. <laughs> so here I am. I'm lying underneath this thing. I'm trying to pull on this spanner and my ribs are just screaming at me. Anyway, it eventually it's let go. And I thought, oh, God, oh, God. And I, I'm lying there. Sucking my breath in, and then I'm thinking, Dad, Dad, yeah, <laughs> Dad, are you sure? Are you, what are you doing? What are you, are you doing? Sure to me? you want this? <laughs> <laughs> and the message came through: keep going. Yeah, <laughs> oh, good. Oh, so, so I um, I struggled. Yeah, with that. Of course. Well, I'm still. I've still got it now. (laughs) It doesn't go away. And I and I got another good twinge when I had to lift him down. Yeah. From from the back of the hearse, you know. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) for sure. Because like people don't for for the listeners to understand too, like the height of where the coffin actually goes into the back of the hearse is a lot higher. It's a lot higher than a normal hearse these days. Back in the day, they would do traditionally a shoulder carry was the standard uh, pallbearer. You know, the pallbearers would do a shoulder carry into a chapel and out mm-hmm. out of a church or in and out of a chapel, whatever the case may be. So that you could imagine that the hearse, the height of it is the height of your shoulder. Yeah. So these days they're at the hip height. Uh-huh. So you imagine you try, you know, <laughs> we so, don't do it anymore. So you're trying to, you got an injured rib already, and you're trying yeah. to carry Dad out of the back of the. I'm hearse. trying not to wince <laughs> in my suit. Yeah. Oh, oh wow. Oh God. Um, oh, Brian, it it was um, it it was a it was a deal, and of yeah. course, um, getting back to uh, fixing up poor old Huddy. You remember that the um, the driver's side window was smashed. Yes, it was definitely yep. had a massive big crack and smashed yep. it. It was completely just shattered. Yep. So I once again asked my friends Lee Wilson. Okay, shared those windscreens. Really, I raced with him down. Ah, at, okay. Down at Morgan Park, I have, I have a little BMW in another life, and I uh, I, I race around a track. Oh, cool. With Lee and. Um, he has Kepler Coast windscreens and he said, Steve, whatever you need, we'll do. Shout out to your them. dad, for your dad. And so um, he did and uh, he cut me a, a lovely um, and shaped a six mil yep. laminated glass. And, um, and you know, the funny thing was, Brian. What's that? There's no bottom of the doors. <laughs> It, it the wouldn't hearse. be, would they? <laughs> the glass just comes straight. <laughs> Does out it really? The yeah, comes straight out the bottom. And people don't understand. People don't even realize it's timber. It's timber. It's timber doors. The, the whole car. The whole car's timber. <laughs> it's timber with tin tacked around. Oh, this is crazy, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, that's oh. that's state of. But that, that was the standard. That's the state of technology back yeah. then. Yeah. And um, uh, if you go by if you go by the age of the vehicle, I'm pretty sure they came out factory with a. With wooden spokes, wheels. They did, and, but um, so they had newer model. It's got newer model wheels on it, and but you know, it makes. But I'm glad they do. <laughs> Imagine having wooden. Well, wooden wheels would be pretty hard, wouldn't they? Well, to tell you the truth, no. Really? No. Okay. No. I can tell you a little story about. Please that. do. Um, in the eulogy 
yeah. when, when we wrote Dad's eulogy, there was something that I remember Nana Bell had said to me years and years ago. Nana Bell died in 1975. Wow. Dad's mum. Okay, Dad's mum. Anyway. Sure. And just for the listeners to understand, it's Dad's 92. Dad, Dad, Dad's 90. Dad was 90. Born in 1932. 1932. Wow. Yeah. Yep. And um, anyway, you can imagine... Uh, Dad is the eldest of six boys. Okay. They're living in a rented house in Wandle. Yeah. Um, Bell has got a wood stove. Yeah. Uh, he's got an ice box downstairs, no fridge. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. And and Granddad Bell was a farrier. Okay. For the shoe and horses. Yeah, okay. Yep. yep. And and shooting ducks and fishing in the river. Wow. For some extra meat. Wow. Because it was, it was pretty hard going for yep. them. Anyway, uh, Dad and his and his brother Ronnie shared a 1926 Chev 4 Ute. Oh, really? Yep. That was their first car. Was it really? Wow. Yep. So anyway, um, wire wheels, if, yep. if the wire spokes get rusty or break, a little bit difficult to fix. Yes. A little bit difficult to get. Yes. So the Chev had wooden wheels. So one night, Nana Bell is up with her eternal pot of stew and when it started to get a bit low, they put dumplings in it. Oh, to fill it back up. To make it go further, yeah. (laughs) 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 Flour and water. Yeah, Yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Just keep it going, yeah. I mean, that's that's what they did. That's what they they had had to do, do, Brian. They had to make what they had go further. Of course, yeah. And anyway... Nana Bell said her, her husband's name was Robert, Bobby. Bobby, I've spilt the stew. The house is going up. Oh. And so oh, no. Bob said, Daisy, what do you mean the house is going up? Well, the floor's going up. What the? <laughs> so anyway, Granddad Bell flies down the back stairs yeah. just in time to see Ronnie and Dad with a piece of timber and a hydraulic jack. We're underneath the, <laughs> on the main bearer of the house, yeah. underneath the kitchen, jacking up with the hydraulic jack to deform the rim so that they can put some canvas washers underneath the spokes where the wooden spokes come out of the hub yeah. and go into the, the steel rim to tighten them up because the standard practice with wooden wheels is if they get a bit loose... Yep. Either pack them with with canvas washers, but you got to you know you got to elongate the rim, stick the washer in, and then let the pressure come back on, or go and park it in a creek for a couple of days. <laughs> really? Swells the wood. <laughs> of course it would. Yeah. yeah. Oh jeez. Yeah. <laughs> crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, that's that's awesome. how it is, though. But yeah, that's what they did. That's what they had that, to do. That's what they had to do. Yeah. Right. So maybe it was maybe it is a bit more efficient to have wooden wheels back. Well, obviously well, back then it would have been yeah. Yeah, it would have been easier to and easier to work with too. Easier to work with, yeah. And, and you could fix them. Oh, well, it makes sense, doesn't it? You Whereas, you know you got the the chances of you be able to work with some sort of tools uh, with wooden stuff would be easier as opposed to you know mm-hmm. metal. But, and um, and yeah. you know and the and the funny thing is, Brian, that the spokes that are in Dad's Essex. Yeah. Which is nineteen twenty nine, so mm-hmm. it's one year older than what? Oh, three years older than what mm-hmm. he was. Yes, still has the original spokes. You're kidding me? No. Wow. No, wow. They're, they're made of American hickory. 
Really? The same thing that they make axe handles and hammer handles out of. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know still that. original. And still they're original. still perfectly good. Really? Perfectly good. Perfectly good. So I know um, – so you've got – so you've sorted out that part with the electrical issue. Yes. Um, yeah, it was, was it pretty much – you, let's just say you've you, – I know you you got it out of the shed a couple of times, took it for a spin. Yes. Yeah. So she, yes. So she was – you got it drivable. I got it drivable um, after a friend of mine, Mark Byrne, mm-hmm. um, CQ Dent Solutions. Yes. Yes. He came for the day and uh, – Huddy was looking a little tatty yes. around the openings, around yes, the window was. openings. Definitely. Because it's got the the body is black. Yes. I think it's midnight black. And then the blue, there's a lovely uh, blue framing around the windows with a little gold pinstripe. Yes. It's very, very, very pretty. And I don't know whether, well, for the listeners' sake, if you ever see a photograph of it, underneath the main... Um, picture windows of the rear compartment is a lovely blue wooden sculpture. And it is. You know what it is, Brian? I don't know. What is it? It's the setting sun. Is it really? I didn't it's know. It's the setting sun. I did not know that at all. I had no With idea. the sun's rays. Yes. You know how the sun's rays yes. look over an ocean? Of course. Well, underneath that, underneath the, the bottom ledge of yes. the window. Is that? Uh, just above the mudguard is the setting sun. There you go. I did not know that. I, I yeah. didn't even think everything of that's, that. That's what it is. Well, there you go. Learned so somebody's carved it yeah. out of wood. Yeah, it's great. Isn't that? Uh, and the, painted um, it blue. The uh, workmanship that went into it. Correct. And good. so all that, Brian, was looking pretty tatty. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Mark said to me, Bally, we don't have enough time to do this i mean where do we stop not where yeah. do we start it's where do we stop of course yes and so you think okay i said bernie can you mix up some blue and he said bullet i'll i'll do the best i can so brian he mixed up the paint there on the spot wow yep and we got a couple of dagger brushes yep and he went around and did the blue and I went around wow. and did the black. Wow, that's and cool. And we, we just didn't mix any any hardener with it. Yes, okay, yeah, so, sure. So we we had some um, uh, some working time with it. Yes, yeah. And you know what, Brian? It's not it's not perfect, but as I said, it's got if, character. If well, well, the modern word is patina. Patina. That's true. It's got it in buckets. That's really true. Yeah. yeah it's patina. got it in buckets. Yeah. And so Huddy, you know, is got a bit of patina. It's got a bit of repair. Yes. And um, you know, it's a it's a survivor. Yeah. And um And it's crazy to think it's a hundred years old next year. It's a hundred years old next year. And Amazing. I, I actually like Grant's idea. As if we should have a birthday party for it. That's actually a really good <laughs> idea. We should. That's a great idea. We should. It is. Well, it is a hundred years old. It's hundred years old. A milestone, isn't it? Yep. It's a milestone for technology too. And to be still going. And mm. and what I would really like the thought of Brian is if that if Huddy gets a job. Yes. That's you know, a, if he's yeah. given a task. Yeah. Because when you think about it, you know. The life of that hearse, I'm going to suggest, was probably all washed up by the 40s. Yes, it would no, have been. No one would have been wanted to to be carted around. 
in an old in something that looked like that. That's exactly right. A hundred percent. You're right because they would have been innovative. People would have been looking for the newer technology. They would have been looking for the newer model hearse. That would have been obsolete. That would have been obsolete. Obsolete is yes. the word. So, yeah. I'm suggesting that he probably hasn't done a job for a long, long no. time. No, it hasn't. No, and like we used uh, the. The family funeral home in Canberra, majority of its time was used as a display piece. It would mm-hmm. be, be parked at the front every day. It would drive around from the back of the premises. It would drive around the block to the front. Mm. It'd sit there for the duration of the day mm. and then it would be put away at night time. It was used um, on some services over the time, but mm-hmm. majority of the time it was mainly used as a, as a, yeah. as a piece. But in Full time use, like as a as a as a part of the fleet, mm. like you said, it would have been forty plus years ago. Well, I'm saying I'm saying more than seventy. So, oh yeah, sorry, the forty. You know, sorry, the 40s, yes, you're right. Yes, it that's would right. Be eighty. Yeah, if it was the main ago. part of the fleet, you're right. It would have been oh, eighty yeah. years ago. Eighty. Yeah, years and ago. that's 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 within reason because a life a life expectancy of a hearse, going from my experience, would probably be about twenty years. You know, so you right. could so you could say, and that's being generous. Hmm. You know that you could say twenty years is what you would get hmm. out of a vehicle before people would look at updating it, whatever hmm. the case may be. Hmm. So yeah, but you know, I've I've actually I've actually taken quite a shine. Have you to Huddy? Yeah. I <laughs> well, I mean, well, let, let's be well, honest. I mean, this is a this is a very intriguing story. Like it is a beautiful. I, it is it is really intriguing in the sense of. How this whole thing's come about, like, and like li- literally, like we w- we haven't met prior to this, like, no, no personally, on a personal note, Mm-mm. we might have crossed paths over for through professions or whatever the case may be, but without this whole story of you coming and doing this with the vehicle and doing it for your father and stuff, we wouldn't have met. We wouldn't have met in general. Oh, sorry, is that you? Yeah, he's a cartner piss. Somebody wants me. <laughs> no, you're right, mate. It's all good. Um, yeah, so you know what I mean? Like it was it's a it's a it's a beautiful story in itself, isn't it? Well, you know you know what, Brian? Um Dad was a an avid um car club member. Yes. And he was he was awarded a life membership. Wow, okay. of the Rockhampton vintage, vintage and Veteran Car Club. And he he coveted that award because yes. he never thought anybody would think that highly of him. Wow! To do that, and yeah. he that rang, you know, a, a very deep chord with Dad. Yeah. And um, the other thing he wanted dearly was not to see the club die. Yes. Because okay. they used to meet down at Depot Hill on Wednesday nights, and um, he said to me, "Steve, you know, I've been the secretary for nearly forty years. Forty years. Forty years." And he said, Steve, I'm getting to the point where I can't remember people's names. Yeah. And he said, I sat down there one Wednesday night and I looked around the room and I and I said, you know what? He said, look at us. We're all old men. Yeah. We're all we're all dropping off. Mm-hmm. We're all gonna die out. And he said, I I think that we have to do something with the club because sure. all these old cars are just gonna pass into history and he said i i think we need to you know stop doing what we're doing and do something different and you know you know you know what dad's solution was what was that 
include the women. <laughs> uh, uh, he's really getting progressive yeah, well, there, isn't he? <laughs> well, well, you got to do what you got to do, eh? Hey? It, it was sort of like a Masonic lodge. Yeah, there. okay, would have been. I mean? Yeah, of course. No yeah. women. No, this yeah. is men's stuff. Yeah, but Dad simply saw and and read the writing on the walls, and yeah. so they simply sold the clubhouse. They moved over to Con Prima Park. Yeah, and. And they had the meetings on Saturdays, okay. Saturday mornings. And so with the result that Dad would go over there and I'd sit with him and David would be there and or David would come over and bring him over in his 1941 Oldsmobile and um, Dad would sit there and look around very smugly and then he'd just tap me on the shoulder and he'd say, there's 18 people here. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, that's... He was, he was stoked. Dad, yeah. And he said, it's not going to die. Oh, that's cool. And, and you know, that was his greatest greatest desire, that the club continue. Yeah. And he said that, um, you know what, I'd really like to um, reinvigorate the restoration runs. Yes, okay. And simply, Brian, what that meant was if a member had a car that sort of got bogged down in the the process of doing it or lost a bit of, you know, enthusiasm, the club members would go around, have a bit of morning tea or something rather, have a chat and have a look at the progress and, you know, see if they could give them a hand and yeah. sort of, you know, give them a sort of a little uh, a push along, you know. Yeah. And so here I am, I'm lying underneath the hearse and I'm thinking, Dad, here's the first vehicle for the restoration run. Yes, Here it that's is. a good point. Here that's it is. A, yeah, yeah. Here it is. Isn't that funny how those things, like you said, these things work out like that? So, Brian, it, you know, doing this job for Dad has brought another car yep. back onto the road. Yeah, it has. It has. It has rescued Huddy. Yes. From anonymity. Yes, it has. Brought him back. Yes. Um, it's fulfilled Dad's dream of, you know, going for a ride. And in, in a vintage car. And a son fulfilling his father's request. And I was able to do what I could. And Brian, as I, I, I think we've mentioned a couple, we've spoken about this a couple of times, you know, if it failed, yeah. I'm okay. Yes, of course. Because at least I had a go. Of course, 100%. But if I didn't have a go and knew that I could have done it, then I would never, ever have been able to live with myself. Of course. Knowing that I just didn't, you know... Get off my butt. And yes, it was inconvenient. Yes, it was at the wrong time. But you know what? I put all of that aside and thought, no, if I can do it, if I can get it done, and if I if you know, if the circumstances allow me, then by God I'm going to do this one last thing that I can do for dad. Yeah. Yeah, it so, took my mind off it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you, you had a purpose. Yeah, yeah. So I had a purpose. Yeah, You're right, so, Cole. So Cole was mentioning, he goes, did it help you with the grieving process, and also did it give you what was the other question, Cole? A purpose, a, a purpose like a like something to do, to help. And yeah. it did. Yeah, it, it really did because you know because it was such a long interval between Dad's passing, and um, you know the funeral 
just to put readers in the background. Yeah, yeah, oh, of course. What happened was, Dad, oh, my brother, my brother David and his wife, Leslie wanted to go over to Paris for her fiftieth. Yeah, okay. Right or wrong? But yeah. COVID got in the way. Grandchildren get in the. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, marriage of uh, their boys got in the way. Yeah. Grandchildren got in the way, um, and. She's now sick of 56. Mm-hmm. And so they decided back earlier this year that they are going to go to um, Paris this August. Yeah, okay, September. Sure. And so, of course, Dad started to decline. And Dad had said to them, I do not want you to cancel. I do not want you to postpone. Yep. And I do not want you to come back. Yep. He said, I will be here when you come back. Now, he didn't say in what form. Yeah, they just said, I'll be here. And uh, and then when you um, marry into the fact that, you know, he said he wanted to go for a ride in a hearse. Yeah. That takes time. It did, yeah. And so when you – David's overseas, Leslie's overseas, you know, I'm working on the hearse and I, we are um, arranging the wake. We're, yeah. we're arranging Father Bill's send you know, yes. the, for the service. And you know, it it actually um, eased the the grieving process for me because it was something that I was achieving for Dad. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. So that um, so how did you go? So how did you go with the funeral on the day? So the day came about. <laughs> how did everything go? Well, well. Um, <laughs> What I what I wanted to do with Huddy was form an old time funeral procession. Yeah. Like, okay. Cool. Like like back in the sixties when I was yeah. an altar boy. Yes. Yes. Of and, course. Um, yeah. And so cars with their lights on, travelling at thirty kilometres an hour or so from the to church over to the cemetery. And so we, I wanted to form up an old time um, procession and do the route. Down from Tucker's. Yep. And and Brian, what I wanted to include was down by the riverbank, because Dad, as a as a boy, used to play in a um, a pod of bamboo down on the riverbank. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. Wow. Some yeah. somewhere near where Victoria uh, Victoria Parade is now. Yeah. And um, the the bamboo's gone. But yeah. uh, I remember him telling me, oh, just, just down there, I used to play on that. <laughs> and um, so I thought that was nice. And so we, we went over there. I had my Buick. I have a 1930 Buick. Yes, okay, sedan. cool. Yeah. And um, But anyway, Brian. Was, uh, now the, <laughs> grand, the grand question is, <laughs> had all your work paid off? Had it worked? You know what? What's it that? Did. It did. It did. Wow. The Buick failed. The Buick <laughs> The Did Buick, it really? Yep, Buick Fire. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, mate. So I had to park it on the side. Did you of the really? Road. Yeah, yeah. Ah. And um, Dad's Essex, uh, the first one that he restored, yep. decided the day before to burn the clutch out. Did it really? After 40 years. After yeah. 40. After Isn't 40 it funny years. how those little those little things decide to do that? Hey, well, and you don't know if it's something that you know what? You know, if there's something playing on that, or something behind that. Just on that take. Mm. The Essex is now over at my brother's place and sure. Dad has given it to David. And so a couple of weeks before Dad passed, he's over at David's 
It's David and Leslie's place for morning tea. And he says, oh, wouldn't mind just having a look at the old Essex again. So we went up there and uh, David started it up. And he said, you know what? He said, this old car just keeps on going. <laughs> and David said, yeah, Dad, it just keeps on going, doesn't it? And then Famous last Dad, words. Dad looked at David and said, I wonder if it'll, I wonder if it'll peg out when I when I go. <laughs> and you know what? Yeah, it did. It did. It did. It'll have, it, isn't that crazy? It isn't, did. Isn't that? Isn't that? Um, isn't a little scary? Well, whether or not he knew something, he knew, yeah. I don't know. Uh, that's it. Uh, but you know what? On the day when you know I've had to get into another car. To yes. finish the the parade, you know, we had we had we were in radio contact. There was there was thirteen vintage cars. Was there really thirteen? There was cool. thirteen vintage cars, and you know, to see Huddy travel up, turn into that East Chapel yep. driveway, which is steep. It is very steep. You know, if Liftness hadn't been there, yeah, it's steep, and so to see that in the in the beautiful sunshine. That was Wednesday, the twentieth of yep. September. To see that old hearse with Dad in the back drive up that hill and have the the spotlight yeah. of publicity on that alone, not Essex, not Buick. Yeah, it was it. Yes, it, by itself. Yeah, and um, I, I it, the thought struck me that well, Dad, you know what. If you, you know, if you wanted a show, if you wanted yeah. a spectacle, you've got it. Yeah. Here it is now. Isn't and, that beautiful? Isn't that just a beautiful way to top everything mm, off? Mm. And then you can and then you can actually sit there and reflect on it at that point in time and see that. Isn't that beautiful? Well, beautiful. it was. And I thought, well, there is no more fitting uh, yes, a tribute, right. yeah, to the man that he was. Yeah, to um, dad was a dad was what they call a you know he was he was every bit a quiet achiever. Yeah, and uh, here it was, another little achievement done by you know a team of people. Yeah, to get Huddy yeah. over there, looking the way that he was, and um, I I I I stood there and just. You just let that just wash over you, you know. All the people that were there, there's all the the, the vintage cars parked up in a row, just as we'd practice and yep. planned. And here was Dad, here, you know, at the door, ready for his funeral. And um, I, I had thought to myself, you know, it was all worthwhile. Yeah, it was all. It was. My ribs hurt like mad. <laughs> <laughs> I had, I still had all grease and oil and uh-huh. dirt underneath my fingernails yeah. from Huddy. But you know what? I wouldn't have had it any other way. That's absolutely happy. beautiful, man. It really is. It's beautiful to hear that and to take that moment and to absolute and to reflect on it, absorb it, and really take in that is absolutely beautiful, mate. It really is, yeah. and. That's like the story in itself is just absolutely amazing and it's great that you've given us an opportunity to share that with us. Um, it's uh, one of those stories that you you have to you have to tell. 
you know, and I, and I appreciate you doing that, mate. So thank mm. you so much. I do, I do. I would love to have you back on again <laughs> soon. I want to hear. There's several stories I want to hear. Sure. <laughs> and I will make sure that you definitely come back on. I want to hear about this world trip on a motorcycle, yeah, right. uh, about your aircraft. So yeah. we'll um, we'll leave it at that for today. I appreciate the time to come in and have a chat to us about that and sharing that experience of what you had to go through um, to fulfil. A request for your uh, for mm. your father, and to um, not just honor the the person who he who he was and who he is, uh, but also to as that like you said that last um, thing that you could do for your father. Yes, um, I think was absolutely beautiful. So, thank you very much, uh, sir, for ha- coming on and then sharing us <laughs> the stories. Now, with every with every podcast. This was a bit of a special one. I I I thoroughly enjoyed this myself. So thank you very much, Steve, for um, for sharing it. But normally, what we do is, um, with every guest that comes on, we do have like a, it's a it's an opportunity for them to share their story. Now your yes. story is a bit different because it's going to be over several parts. Because <laughs> right, I want to hear more. Right, yeah. But for every guest that comes on, we do do a nameplate. So you ah. get your own nameplate. So essentially the same as what we have here uh, with your name on it to say that you've been on the Dead Ass Podcast. Oh, so beautiful. Here it is. This is a revised one. That's a revised one? <laughs> this one's a revised one. Okay, so whatever the – we've got the refresh – we've got the fresh one here. So this is your own oh. – with your nickname on it too, mate, Bullet. Oh. <laughs> so – Thank you. Yeah, so that's – Thank you, Brian. No, that's all right. Look, uh, you can thank Cole for – Etching it thank for you. Cole. Yeah, thank you. You <laughs> must have done that at short notice. He did. Right. We've got an original one. <laughs> yeah, so we put a nickname on there as well. So it's, yeah, so every Beautiful. every guest gets their own name plate just as a part. Yeah, put it in your thank shed. You. Yeah. So oh, great stuff. So thank you very much for your time and and coming and sharing that story with us. We appreciate it immensely. Thank you, Brian. Uh, you're welcome. And thank you to all the listeners once again. Thank you very much for tuning in, listening to these stories and these eulogies and we'll catch you again on the next one so peace out thank you cheers mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market hey it's paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince i'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with quince being 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.